fantastic. I do recognize one or two of you. Um, unfortunately, you seem to be a lot older. Obviously, you know, I'm not. Um, but it is good to be here. I think the last time I was in Teesside was a couple of weeks ago. I was down for the Borough match. I still managed to go and see Borough a few times. But uh, let me just introduce who I am for those of you that haven't got a clue who I am. I am, as has already been said, pastor of Hillsong, Newcastle. And uh, I am the husband of one wife and the father of definitely enough children. Um, I have three. That's probably one more than enough. So if you're having two children, don't go for the third. Um, they just cause trouble, that's for sure. But uh, well, it's good. And uh, my wife and I planted 12 years ago just over 12 years ago, what was then Newcastle Christian Life Centre. We planted with nine people in Starbucks in the centre of Newcastle. And uh, about two years ago, we actually became a Hillsong church. That was really because over the years, we'd stayed strongly connected to Hillsong London, where we were before. And uh, after a lot of conversations, a lot of prayer, we made the decision to actually become, come back uh, to Hillsong. I used to play rugby for Stockton and then Yarm. Uh, way, way too old. I went to watch the Falcons play rugby yesterday and I find myself sort of moving as I go into the, as they go into the tackles, not as me. I think I'd be broken in half now. But um, the, reason, the reason I planted a church wasn't because I had this longing to be a pastor. had no desire whatsoever to be a pastor at all. And uh, it wasn't that I disliked it, I loved church. But that was the reason why I became a pastor, because I loved church and I saw what church did for people. I was a social worker in Stockton and then, and then around in a few different places. And uh, some of the things that I had to get involved in, I felt like I was putting an elastoplast on an amputation. And I realized as much work as, and I loved being a social worker, I was very proud of actually being a social worker and what I had to do. But I realized that ultimately social work and any of that stuff wasn't the answer. Only Jesus could transform the heart. We could try and transform behavior, but ultimately it never transformed the heart. And uh, I guess the church that I wanted to build was a church that I could bring my rugby mates along to. That, that was simply it. I wanted to build a church where I could be, and that was the filter for everything, and, and in many ways still is. It's the filter, so when, when people come in and, and everything we do in Newcastle as a church, I look at it and go, can I bring my rugby mates here? Can I, can I actually bring people that I used to know, and, and, and I guess many of your friends, it would be, could you bring your friend to this church? And if I couldn't, why are we doing it? You know, there are weird things that we do as Christians. That's just simply it. Every, every community, every aspect of society does weird things. But can we explain it? Can we explain why we lay hands on each other and pray? Well, that's what everyone does, isn't it? If you're going through some stuff, you reach out and physically, I'm going to give him the shock of his life here, you reach out and touch people. It's okay, I'm with you in this. I'm standing with and I. I've been to Tanzania loads of times, so I'd like to talk to you later about that. But we reach out and touch people physically. And so it's easy to explain. But until you do that, people are like, what is this bunch of weirdos? When we put our hands in the air, it's like, what are they doing? Well, 
I go to concerts and I wave my hand in the air and I sing loud and sing badly and uh, still do exactly the same. But really, you know, I wanted to be able to, I guess, build a church where I could explain things and I could bring my friends along into what we did. I love Teesside. I do. Still, you know, because I'm a, I'm a, I live in Newcastle now, it's almost the law that you have to support Newcastle. I managed to get along to Newcastle. You're shaking your head, but you're wrong. Um, I managed to get along to, to Newcastle. We got some of the footballers that come along to church sometimes, and so I, I like to get a free ticket when I can. Um, but also I get to, I get, to see T, uh, get to see Borough every now and then. And actually, I lived about three streets, two or three streets up from here, and uh, so I am local to Thornaby. Um, some of you may remember a, a youth event from many years ago called the Crucible. Well, myself and a few of the other guys that you, you may know used to run Crucible. So I still have a heart for Teesside. And, uh, but really, it's not just about church, because church can be an event that you go along to. And actually, what I want to build is authentic community. And to have authentic community, you have to have healthy community. And really, the, the season, I guess, you're about to head into is all around this, this topic of health. And uh, your pastor, Elijah, and I have talked, uh, talked a lot about this. And he asked me to bring, I, I guess, a, a message around health. And, and one of the things that I, I am passionate about is healthy community. Not just a church event, but healthy community. So you're ready to get into this? Two of you are. So are the rest of you, if the rest of you could just look interested, that would really help me. You, you don't need to be. I mean, if you're on Facebook, you can pretend you're taking notes, that's fine. But just look interested. If you smile at me every now and then, I'll think you're with me rather than against me. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the privilege of standing here. God, I pray that I would never take for granted the, the privilege of speaking into people's lives and to encourage them to become more like you. I pray for those that maybe don't know you. God, that in some way something that is done, uh, sung, spoken here in this place will cause them to want to get to know you. I pray maybe for those that are away from you that once knew you, that once were connected to you, God, I pray that something in the same way that will draw them back into that connection with you. In the name of Jesus, amen. July 1995, there was a massive heat wave that swept across the area of Chicago. And in that time, in the, in, in the weeks that the heat wave was on, the temperatures went up to around about 100, 120 degrees. 739 people died in that time. And that, that does happen, but the really, really sad thing was that the majority of those that died, died alone. No one checked on them. No one knew that they died. And 66, sorry, 68 of them were so anonymous that they had to be buried in a mass grave. No headstone. No one knew them. No one remembered them. See, my question when I read that news report was, where was community? Where were the people that knew them? Where were their friends that were around them? The problem is, is that too many of us grow up and we take on board this, you need to be an individual. 
You need to be, you need to, it's, it's the self-made millionaire. We read that. It's, it's those heroes that stand out. They go it alone. The soldier that goes alone and becomes a hero. So often our superheroes are the ones that work alone. I went to see Infinity War the other day. I'm not going to spoil it for you. But uh, they're the first real team that we hear of. Everyone else, Superman works alone. And even the teams that we, that we elevate, we often elevate the individual. Lionel Messi is only as good as the other ten players around him. One of my favorite films of all times, The Incredibles. I've watched it so many times with my kids. Uh, Mr. Incredible says the line, he says, I work alone, buddy. And we, we elevate the individuals so often. You see, I love my family. I absolutely, I'm passionate about my family, but what I've realized is I can't raise my family alone. There's an African proverb that says, and you may have heard it, it takes a village to raise a child. But so often what I've seen over the years as a pastor is that when trouble hits a family, it's almost like they circle the wagons. And, and a friend of mine has used this expression when trouble hit his family. He said, I just need to circle the wagons and get my family together. And it got worse. And he began to realize that it wasn't just about him protecting his family and him dealing with the issues in his family. It was about bringing community into that. You see, I know how much we need others to help raise our family. But I'm not talking about babysitting. I'm talking about providing heroes for our kids, role models for our kids. And that's what community is. We, we get around each other, we disciple each other, we raise each other, we teach each other. You know, we even now, the government has got in on this and we now even have a department for communities. The leader of the Scottish National Party at the time, a few years ago, Alexander Salmon said, because being independent is the most natural thing in the world. There's nothing natural about being independent. I'm not getting into, into politics there, but there is nothing natural about being independent. You see, we were created to be in community. We are tribal by nature. And so we need to understand that community is one of the strongest things that we can be part of. You see, if we haven't got community, we have, we, it's not just support, but we have no one to process life with. Who do you sit down and talk about stuff when you're going through stuff? Who do you, who do you sit down and, and process the things of life, the difficulties of life, the successes, the failures of life with? You know, 66% of people in the UK say they have no one to confide in. 66, two-thirds of people have no one to confide in. And I would, I would hazard a guess, I don't know the stats, but I would hazard a guess that most of those are men. That have no one, they may have mates, but have no one that they can sit down and unload themselves to when things get tough. I want you to have a think about your life. The successes, maybe, that you've had in life, even the little successes, you've never achieved it alone. Because it's always been done with the help of others. 
My daughter is going through exams at the moment. She's just heading into her GCSEs. And I love the fact that, yes, she studies alone, but she actually goes to her friends in church, the older girls that have been there and done that, and actually asks them how to study. Has study time with them, is encouraged by them. So people help us through the tough times. And our walk with Christ should be exactly the same. We walk with Christ not alone. The problem is, is that too many of us read the Bible as if it's written to me. It was never written to you. It was written to us. The Bible has a we. The, the verses that we read and we love in our own lives. And there's nothing wrong with taking them on board ourselves. But it was written to communities. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. The New Testament was mostly written to churches. Or written to leaders of churches about dealing with church. The Old Testament. What's the Old Testament about? It's about a community. The people of Christ. But so often we take it as if it's, this is for me. Yeah, but it's for us. You see, as a church, you're beginning a season on health. And I would say that we don't want a nice community. We want a healthy community. A healthy community where people can walk in in their brokenness and say, make me well. I'm here and I I don't know what to do. The stuff of life has just got me. How do I deal with this? How do I process life? And we as a church, because we're a community, not just a, a group of people that turn up to an event on a Sunday can say, hey, come walk with us. We've been in the same place. And we can walk together through the things of life. I don't know if you've ever heard it said, or maybe, maybe you've even said it yourself. You don't need to be a, a Christian. You don't, sorry, you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Maybe you've said that. Maybe someone has said it to you. Or maybe they've said, I, I just need Jesus. It's just about Jesus and me. I don't like those Christians. I don't like those people. But in reality, what I would say is they probably haven't read their Bible. It's not biblical. When you go to Genesis, you see God created Adam. I don't know if you've ever thought about it in this way, but God created Adam. It was Adam and God. Do you know what God said? It's not good. God created Adam and Adam was in harmony with God and God said, that's not good enough. I need to create you in community. You were created for community. So to say, oh, I don't need church community, it's just not biblical. See, all churches aren't awesome. All churches aren't perfect. In fact, no churches are perfect because we're full of broken people. But God places us in community to actually make us more about him, more like him. God gave Adam community. And we need authentic, biblical community because in those communities, in communities with broken people, that's actually the time when we become more Christ-like. Because we're rubbing up against people that we probably don't like. Obviously, I'm not talking about the person next to you. It's the person on the other side of the room. You know the one that you're thinking about. But I want to just look just for a few moments at a couple of scriptures. And really, just to kick the season of health off, I want to look at Acts 2, verse 42. 
Many of you will have heard this before. Acts 2 is the start of the church. It's the birth of the church. The Holy Spirit comes and and breathes life into a group of people that were waiting for something that they didn't have a clue about. And the Holy Spirit came and and the first thing, do you know the first thing that happened when the Holy Spirit came after after the speaking in tongues? You read it, it burst out of the room. It went out into the streets and people, Peter stood up and he preached a message and people got, uh, got saved. And, but then it goes down to verse 42 and it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. The first thing that I want to say about a healthy community is that people take responsibility for themselves. They're not independent We're interdependent. We become dependent on each other, but not with a dependency mentality. You see, a dependency mentality says, what are you going to do for me? And we see too much of that in the world and in the church. We blame government, we blame everyone for what we should be taking responsibility for. But it says, they devoted themselves. And then it gives a list of four things that they devoted themselves to. And in there is fellowship. That's not just, you know, that coffee time before and after church. No, koinonia is a much bigger word than that. It's actually, that, that it, it means community, healthy, robust, authentic, tactile community. And what I mean by tactile is it's not on Facebook. How many people have got like 500, 600 friends on Facebook and you know four of them? Yeah, most of us. That's the reality of life. But tactile is where we sit down and we talk to each other. But they devoted themselves. They took personal responsibility for what they devoted themselves to. You see, it can seem a bit of a contradiction. They devoted themselves, yet we're dependent on each other. We need to be connected to community, but take personal responsibility for that connection. Jesus himself said, abide in me and I'll abide in you. Take responsibility for your connection to me and I'll connect to you. Too many people leave church and and, and they walk away saying, well, I I don't feel connected to anyone. Yeah, because you don't connect yourself to anyone. Proverbs, I think it says, if you want to have friends, be friendly. You see, people don't come for a friendly church. People come for friends. So we need to be able to uh, not create a dependency culture, but create interdependency within church. They devoted themselves. You see, everyone did it. Everyone took responsibility. They built a culture around, it's my responsibility to be connected to this community. New people began to take it on. It's not about leaders calling everyone to prayer. People said, I am devoting myself to prayer. Oh, and if there's a church prayer meeting, I'll be at that. That's fine. But I don't need a church prayer meeting to pray. I devote myself to prayer. I devote myself to the leader's teaching. I devote myself to community. I devote myself to the breaking of bread, which is actually keeping Jesus at the center of everything. People got stuck in to community. Do you know what happened? When we look at verse 47, it said, God added to their number daily. Do you know what that means? It means that God actually added to what people had devoted themselves to. 
So as we, as we begin to devote ourselves to each other, God adds to that number. It wasn't just like people coming in and going, hey, I want to be part of this church. It was people saying, I see what you have there. I see, I see a, a, a community that's real, that's healthy, that's authentic. And I want to add myself to that. Your friends and your neighbors, if, they, if you ever bring them to church, and I pray that you do, won't be enamored with the music or the lights or the building. What they will see is how you guys relate to each other. Because Jesus said, by your love for one another will all men know that my, you are my disciples. See, when people see how we relate to each other in the good times and the tough times, that's when they say, I want to be part of that. This community is about everyone, every person playing their part. James three seventeen to 18 says this, real wisdom, God's wisdom begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable. Overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. I don't know if you realize it's hard work getting along with you. Have you ever thought about that? With all your little ways of doing things? You see, when my wife and I got married, we thought we knew each other. Yeah, then we got married and realized how much we didn't. And it's hard work. It was harder work for her than it was for me because my wife is perfect. But it's hard work actually learning to get along with each other, learning to to understand each other. But we have to do the hard work if we want to build community. Too many people realize it's hard work and walk away. You see, the thing I've seen as a pastor and, and being leaders in, in churches over many, many years is that people get in and they realize it's hard work and then they go to another community and there's, this, there's, the, there's the thrill of everything's new and then it's hard work and they walk away and go to another community and it's, whoa, this is amazing, this is the best church ever. Hold on, this is hard work, I'm going to walk away. And it's like that guy that has serial wives or serial girlfriends and every time time things get tough, they walk away from authentic community. See, James, the book of James was written by Jesus' brother. Not, he wasn't actually one of the disciples. He was Jesus' brother and so he'd, he'd seen what Jesus built. He'd seen from the outside what Jesus was building in this, this group of disciples that followed him around, this community that Jesus was building. And one of the key themes in the book of James is this living a life of faith. And what he was saying, what he was saying right the way, right the way through his book was, what do you see? What, what do you see? Be what you see. And he'd seen this community and he'd seen Jesus build these disciples in this authentic community. And he was describing what he'd already seen. He was describing what Jesus held so dear to him, his community. And this community that James talks about, this robust community, healthy, robust community that lives right with God. You see... 
We do the hard work of getting along with each other. I want to ask you the question, when people come in here and are new people, what do they see when they go beyond the Sunday service? What do they see when they go beyond the cup of coffee and the time before and after the service? Will they see a community that gets along with each other? Will they see a community that supports each other when it's tough, in the success and in the failure? So said Jesus said that we would know, people would know us by our love for one another. Love isn't just a short-term thing. I've been married to my wife for, for over 20 years. We just made a decision as a couple, we were never going to mention divorce. So it was either going to be hell for 20 years, or we're going to do the hard work and make it happen. And we do the hard work and and there's a consistency and a longevity about the relationships that we have. You see, when you're part of a community, you commit to it for for the long haul. I I want my kids to be able to bring their kids up in our church. I know people come and go and move jobs and and for for many different reasons, but I actually want a church that Nathan, who's here with me today, that he can bring his kids up in the church and they can bring their kids up in the church as well. How do we do that? It's hard work, isn't it? It's hard work getting along with each other and building for the long haul. Corinthians sorry, Colossians three verse thirteen gives us a really simple but I guess it's 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 simple but it's not easy. It says Forgive quickly. Wow. We could probably stop there and preach and pray into that for years and still never really get it. It says, forgive quickly and make allowances for each other. See, too many of us hold offense. The reality is, I've heard people say it, and I've probably even said it myself, don't get offended. Well, that's rubbish, isn't it? You can nod, it's okay person next to you knows that they've offended you and you've offended them. It's okay. We get offended in church. It's not whether we get offended, it's what we do with the offense. Because too many of us hold on, and I've been in that similar position myself, where yes, I've had wrong done to me, but I've held on to it. And I've chosen for a period of time not to forgive. I'll tell you know, I was in, in Hillsong, my wife and I were in Hillsong, London, and, and something happened there that just, it wasn't great. And I held on to the offense, and, and for about six months, I just, I didn't know what to do, just hurt and bitter. And at the end of that six months or so, I just thought, what was done to me has now become my problem. You see, what was done to me had become my, can I say it, sin? Because when we hold on to offense, we become bitter, and bitterness is a sin. And I just thought, God, I don't want to be like this anymore. I don't want to hold on to this anymore. And I just, you know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't an easy thing, but I decided I'm going to let it go. I'm not going to hold on to this in my life. And it was almost then that God said, thank goodness, now I can actually begin to use you. And out of that, out of that, that place of, of forgiveness and out of that place of letting go of offense, that's when God began to speak to me and my wife about coming back up to the northeast. You see, we all hurt each other. 
And we get it wrong. But if we hold on to that, we can't have a healthy community. Too many people hold on to offence and never deal with it and carry that stuff into new seasons. We learn to get along with each other and it doesn't happen by doing a church service. It happens by doing life together. In the large groups, the Sunday service, in the small groups, I don't know what you call them, maybe connect groups, life groups, whatever it is, but we do life together. And those smaller groups are the best place for process in life together. The best place, not for just doing a Bible study, but for actually dealing with the stuff of life. We do life alongside each other. We treat each other with dignity and honor. The Bible says, honor each other above yourselves. And we add weight to who that, honor means adding weight to that person. So we treat each other with dignity and honor. And in doing so, we take the focus off ourselves. People, you know, people say, well, what's in it for me? And, and we all, I guess in some ways, we all want to grow. We all want to, we all want to grow to be more like Christ. But the reality is, you see, when we serve each other and when we honor each other, that's when we are most Christ-like. It's not when we're, it's not when we're studying deep theology. It's not when we're learning more and more and more because too many people know so much about the Bible that they never give it out. They never actually sit down and process life. They, they try and teach people, but there's no relationship with people. See, that's what Christ did. There wasn't, there wasn't a, a, a deeper theologian than Jesus himself, but he sat down and he processed life with people. He sat down with a Samaritan woman. He sat down with a leper. He sat down with his disciples. He taught them, yes, but he used, he used simple words, simple concepts in community. Jesus said, do it for the least of these. We begin to take our eyes off ourselves, place them on other people that are around us. And in doing so, we begin to grow. See, I believe that God wants to build us into a community that is healthy and robust. But the problem is... I think we have the wrong idea of what a healthy community. You know that verse in the Bible where it talks about God's making us as living stones into a building. I think this is what we think the building looks like. If you could throw up the first picture. I think we, we often think that, that that's what it is. Nice bricks, all shaped the same, all in community. We all have to be like each other. That's not how bricks are put into a building. This is actually what it looks like. See, everyone different. Everyone's shaped differently, but every single one has its place. I was reading about dry stone walling, and a master dry stone waller can pick up a stone, and he'll know exactly where to place that stone. And the strength is actually because it's placed in a certain way next to other stones. Sometimes the stones have to have bits chipped off them just to fit in. But essentially the shape is what the master stone, stone wall builder picks up and he places it in the right place. And then he places another one, maybe a smaller one that's alongside of it. And then another one that puts it in its place. See, the problem comes is when stones are taken out. And the strength of the wall reduces. 
God takes each of us and he places us in, in our community and we become part of something much bigger. But if we take, out our, take ourselves out of that, there's no strength in us and the community loses some of its strength as well. Dry stone walls are incredible. They're actually stronger than many buildings because of the way that they are built. We're not nicely shaped bricks, but odd shaped stones that God shapes into his building. And often, the problem is, often in community, God places us next to the people that annoy us the most. Have you thought about that? Why? You know the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering. How do you know you need patience? How do you know you've got patience? It's certainly not with people that exactly like that. It's, it's with people that make you so impatient that you have the choice to be patient or impatient, to grow in your patience. How do you know that you love people? Because God places you among the people that are unlovable and he says, love them. How do you know that you're kind? Because God places you amongst unkind people and says, teach them how to be kind. We will never be a building where everyone is like us, thank goodness. But God places us where he wants us to be to add strength to the building. I want to ask you when you, you're in this place, in this community, and you, you serve, if you don't, my first question would be, why not? Why are you not serving in this place? Why would you want to be part of a community where you don't participate? And by participate, I don't mean put your hands in the air or sing a song. I mean serve to make this community work. But when you're doing it, are you doing it to help, it make, to help make it a home for yourself and for others? See, we don't, want just people, we don't just want people to play their part. We want people that are part of a community. And as a church, very, very similar to us, we have different environments, as I've already said, the large, the Sunday service, where we all come together for corporate worship, corporate prayer, hearing the word of God, but then we create the small. You see, you can't really process life in this environment. We process life where we sat down next to someone, where we take communion, where we, we, we get around the word of God, where we talk about the things of life. But then also we rally around the one. See, when I go back to the beginning, those 68 people never had someone to do life with them. They didn't have a community that, that when they were in trouble would rally around them. Do we do that? Are we able to rally around that one that's going through the things of life? A few years ago, one of our young guys was killed in a car accident. And, uh, I mean, it was, it was a horrible, horrible time, but it was the time when community showed its true strength and true health. I remember just, you know, going, I actually went with the family, the mum and the dad, to, to, to identify the body of this young guy. And the church rallied round them and, and just got alongside them and showed this is a healthy community. They rallied round the one. Do we do the same or is it all about me? God, I want you to grow me. I want, I want to be part of it because of what I receive here. And actually, as we take our eyes off ourselves, place them on other people, 
We become part of a community where, and as you grow, you won't know everyone. But everyone will be known. If we could have the the band back up, that would be great. So a community, a healthy community, is not about ourselves. It's about a mission. It's about saying, we are here. We add strength to each other, but there is a mission for this community. See, I've lived in these streets. I know what it's like over there. I know what goes on as a social worker, but also as someone that lived in these streets. I know, just like anywhere, they need Jesus. And so if you become about yourself, what's God going to do? But if you're a community on a mission, Jesus said, go. Go into the world. Go into Thornaby. Go into Middlesbrough. Go into Stockton. Go to your friends. They need Jesus. See, we want to be a church here that helps people meet Jesus. The first place they're going to meet Jesus is through you, in your workplace, in your place of education. We are called to be a city on a hill. I often used to wonder, what does that that mean? I believe it means that we as a church are actually called to look like a city so that other cities can look to us and say that's how a community should work. You see, as we, as we grow as a church up in Newcastle, we've had people come to us and say, how do you do what you do? How do you look after people in your community? We're called to be a city on a hill to show how a city can and should act when you're here in this church, is your thought, this is my city. This is my community. This is my home. And I want to take Jesus into our city. When we come into this place, do you want this place to be your home? To be a place, to be a home and a community for other people. But it's actually bigger than that as well. Ephesians 2 says this. 19 to 22, that's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name, as, name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here, in what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into a temple in which God is quite at home. See, as we build this place, Teesside Vineyard, it's not just a home for us, it actually becomes a home for God. We, when we come together on a Sunday, we don't have to ask God for his presence. He's already promised that where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm going to be there. We don't have to, when we're worshipping God, we don't have to ask for the presence of God. He's already here. You see, what we need is to become aware of his presence. But as we we are knit together, as we are built together, we actually, God makes this place his home. 
a community where we are formed through the tough times into who Jesus wants us to be. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. God, I pray that the things that I've said will challenge people. But God, I pray that they will challenge people to be more like you. To outwork the practical things of being a community. To do the work of getting along with each other. Pray God for, again, for those that don't know you. God, that in some way this will draw them to who you are. Pray for those that have maybe gone away from you. God, that they will be drawn back to reconnect with you. I good thing about me being here is, apart from one or two people, I haven't got a clue who you are. But what I am going to do is I'm going to ask for a response from people. And the two groups of people that I'm going to ask for a response from are people that I've already mentioned. Those that don't know Jesus. But in some way, something that I've said, something that that has been done here, whether it's the way that you are welcomed at the door and value placed on you, has made you realize, somehow I know God is real and somehow I know that he loves me. But maybe there's people here as well that have, like the prodigal son, you've gone away. You've actually left that connection with Father God and with family and you've walked away. And you may have been coming here for a while, I, I, I don't know. But you know right at this moment, you need to reconnect with family, with God. See, I love the bit in the, in the story of the prodigal son where it says he came to his right mind. And maybe that's you. This morning you're, you're here and it's almost like things have become clear. I need to go back home. I need to reconnect with Father God. See, the son went home expecting, he had this whole speech prepared for his dad. God, I'm not, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I, I'll just be a servant. But his dad saw him. He had his arms open and he ran towards his, his son and threw his arms around him. What an incredible moment of father showing his love for his child. I'd love just for a moment for every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed. The reason I ask for that is because I want to give people, I guess, a bit of privacy in their moment with God. And all I'm going to do, I'm going to ask if you are in either of those two groups, you're saying, God, I want to come to know you. I want to set out on this journey of faith with you. I don't know the whole story, but I know I need to step out in it. Or you're just like the prodigal son saying, God, I need to come home. All I'm going to ask you to do whether you're here and you can see me or in the carer's area over there, it doesn't matter. All I'm going to ask for you to do is, in a moment, just put your hand in the air. See, the, the hand in the air, there's nothing magical about that. It's the decision you make in your heart. The reason I ask for the hand is because I love to know who I'm praying with. Because in a moment, I, I want us to pray a simple prayer together, if that's okay. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you know that I'm speaking to you, I'll just give you a few moments. You're saying, God, I want to know you, or God, I just want to come home. What I want you to do right now is just stick your hand in the air. Maybe you want to look up. Let me know that that's you. And once I've seen you, you can take your hand down again, and we're going to pray together. Who this morning is ready to say, God, I want to come home. 
God, I want to give my life to you. I want to know this, this love that I see. Thank you at the back there. That's fantastic. Who else? See, when you put your hand in the air, you're saying, God, I want to know your forgiveness. I want to know your grace. I want to know your love. I want it to be real in my life. Give you a moment longer and then, if it's okay, the way, we, the way I do it at home, I'd love for us to do that here. Say a prayer together. Is there anyone else before we pray together? Okay. All I'm going to do, I'm going to say a prayer and I'd love for everyone to repeat it because when people, when people make a decision, that's an individual decision before God, but you're actually joining a community. So I'd love for us all to join in with this prayer if that's okay and then the team are going to lead us. So let's pray. Dear God, If you could join in with this prayer, that would be great. Dear God, I come to you now and I give you my life. Jesus, I thank you for the life that you gave. And I take hold of the life that you give. I ask for forgiveness of my sin. And I ask for you to come into my life. I thank you, God, that I am now part of your community. And from this moment forward, I am now a follower of Christ. Amen, amen.